So as usual, <laughs> in our third episode, <laughs> let me ask you, do you have an update about Daisy and this, this man that she sees? Because I cannot stop thinking about it. All right, listen, this will be the third and final installment. I like fingers crossed because <laughs> we're all going to be dead by morning. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but like, listen, I know it's, it probably sounds like I'm making this up, but this really happened yesterday. We were we put Daisy to bed. We, Steve and I were like watching the Golden Girls, of course. Of course. It was after six o'clock. That's what people do. <laughs> and, you know, like an hour later, I just hear through the baby monitor. Daddy, daddy, dad. Now, my daughter is certainly a demanding child, but like. She doesn't wake up like when she she literally is like daddy, <laughs> daddy. Hello. Yeah, like she's like it's on her time. Like How this, old is she? She's three. Okay, so I like jumped out of bed, ran in there, and 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 I lean over her crib, and she goes, "Daddy, <gasps> someone is coming." I am clutching Wait, have, my chest right now. She's literally, "Daddy, someone is coming." <gasps> daddy, someone is coming. She just keeps repeating it. <laughs> but then, like, rolled over and went right back to sleep. Now. All I have to oh. say is my husband Steve is going on a business trip next month. And if Daisy pulls some shit like that <laughs> while Steve is on his business trip, we are moving into a hotel. <laughs> Julian Pezzavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. Um, hey. There's a, a catfish update. I know. It's not like a super new update. It's been on the internet. It has like 3 million views on YouTube. But like... It's new to me um, because I just – I don't even know what I was – I just, like, Googled, like, Catfish Amy because, you know, that's Megan. Megan's real name is Amy. Amy Gonzalez. Amy Gonzalez. So I, I texted you. I'm like, oh, my God, can you please watch this so we can talk? It's like a seven-and-a-half-minute video on YouTube. Anybody can find it. Maybe we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it's called Meeting the Girl in the Pictures. Yes. Which is, like, so old-timey sounding, isn't yeah, it? Like I know. <laughs> This old, you know, like smash his camera, you know, that documentary, totally. smash his camera. It's just meeting the girl in the pictures. Wait, tell the people the premise. What's happening here? So, Neve and Rel, I'm sorry. They're back. They're oh, back. hey, boys. Hey. And Henry. Yeah. They track down Amy Gonzalez. And here's here's what I, the question I wanted to ask you. Did I miss something? Because how does she not know about Catfish? So, I don't know anything for sure. My guess is that they filmed this after... They finished the movie, but before it came out. So my guess is that they were either going to use this in the movie or they were going to use it um, in as like a DVD extra member. Like back then they did like things like that. Oh, yeah. I think that this is cut footage from the movie. Clearly, oh. most of the movie was done when they approached her, but they definitely needed her permission to use her image in the movie. I mean, like it would have been illegal to do it without her permission. Oh, my God. So okay. it starts with Henry. Is it Henry or Ariel that reaches out to her? I think it's Ariel. And with that, like, trying way too hard to be sexy voiceover, by the way. <laughs> Your photography plays a very significant role in the story. We're hoping that we can meet with you and talk about your potential involvement and collaboration in this project. Wow. Did it. We have reached out to the real Megan. Like, Ariel, this is... A tragedy. This I, is like not. <laughs> this is not the time to be sexy. Pull it back. So they are. They um. They send her an email. They find her. She's not hard to find. Like literally anybody can find her online. Google her. She has a website. She would love it if you emailed her. I'm sure. <laughs> but like they find her online and they send her an email and they're like, "Hey, we uh we're making a movie and your photographs like pro- are like prominently featured, but we can't tell you how. Can you come to New York and we'll tell you in the interview?" And she says yes. Like right. that. That's all she needed for right. her and her husband to hop on a plane and come to New York. But wait, first, 
there's a phone call. So she calls Ariel, and you hear the Hello. real Megan's voice. Right. Hello. Hello. Hi, is this Ariel? It sure is. Who's this? This is Amy. Remember how creepy it was in Catfish? That whispery, yeah. like, not at all Megan's Exactly. Voice. Hey, Megan? Yeah. Hey, it's Neve. So then you hear Amy's voice, and you're like, of course that's what you sound of like. Course. You sound like a normal woman. Yeah. Okay, so they're, they're they're driving. So they talk on the phone. They agree that she's going to come. They The boys drive to the airport to, like, meet, to, like, pick them up. She's coming with her husband. And, you know, Neve is, like, playing it. He's like, I don't know if I'm excited. But they, they're getting more and more and more excited. And then there's Neve, like, standing <laughs> with, like, a little paper sign. <laughs> it should have, like, Megan and then Megan crossed out. <laughs> And then, oh, wait, no, shit, Amy. <laughs> right, exactly. And so you see him standing there, and, like, literally, I was on pins and needles. Like, is it going to be her? Is it not? Because they had said they didn't even really. F- These boys don't always do their homework. They're very cute. <sighs> but they don't always do their homework. And Neve even says that a lot of what he knows about her is only based on what Angela told them about <laughs> right. this Megan air quotes. Is there any chance it's not Megan? It's not Amy? Yeah, well, we were just wondering. We never actually with 100% clarity determined that Amy Gonzalez is Megan. We know that Amy Gonzalez is a photographer and that in her photos is a person who is Megan Fascio, but I don't think any of us are actually 100% sure that it's her. I think it is, but... uh, It's a hell of a lot of But but a lot of that is based on, yeah, what Angela told us. Neve goes, we never really thought to look into it. <laughs> and immediately I have Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec in my head where she's like, oh, Anne, you beautiful tropical fish. <laughs> like, why are you still not looking into things? Know. You know why? Two words. Hot dummy. <laughs> We're making t-shirts so fast. But it's like now now this is the guy who, who has a, a franchise on MTV, the Catfish the TV right, show, who totally. makes a living being like, I can't believe you didn't research this. <laughs> It's like, you're the guy who didn't have a webcam, buddy. And now you're like, yeah, I just believed what the person who lied about everything, including cancer, told me, and we didn't research it. So I'm, you know what? That's weird. I am learning new things. Like, what are you doing? Go have another slice of pizza. It's like meeting Cinderella or something, you know? It's like meeting, or meeting a fictional character for real, you know? They're wait. they're like standing there waiting for, and then like, she rounds the corner and it's Megan. And I literally, sc- like, I screamed. <laughs> it's Megan! It's the girl in the pictures. It's the girl in the pictures. Right. Hi, I'm Henry. Andrew. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hey, man. I'm Yeti. Hi, I'm Henry. Nice to meet you. Welcome. Nice to meet you. Wow. Wow. So they sit Amy and her husband down, and they, they tell her the story. Like, it goes to a black screen. And they're like, they tell her everything, but they don't tell her the major thing that he's like, I met this woman, Megan on Facebook and fell in love with her and her family and her sister and everything. And it turned out that it wasn't the girl that they said was Megan doesn't actually exist. And she's like, okay, she's like, her face is like, why are you telling me this? Why did I get on a plane to New York? Right. You couldn't have told me this on the phone. Weirdo, hot weirdo. Um, but so then, so Neve's like printed out. He's like, here's the, a printout of the Facebook profile of this Megan person. Um, this was, this was the profile picture of Megan Fascio. And hands her a picture, and it's her. 
Which has to be the craziest. Imagine being her. I know. In that moment. I know. You're just like, oh my God. And like the look on her face and the look on her husband's face is just like, and then Neva's like, I I fell in love with you. And she's quick to be you like, I mean? with my picture, well, not right. with me as a well, person. Right. But yeah. yeah. Well, you fell in love with Megan. Yeah, not me. Not me. <laughs> also, side note, the husband's photos were being used as the producer brother. I know. And he was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Now I'm involved. Like it shifts from like you're not in love with my wife to oh I'm am I, I'm a player in this oh. It is just so crazy to see her be confronted with, and then they watch like a clip of the movie together, and then Megan, Amy, her name watch is it. Amy. I know it's crazy though. It is crazy because then Amy's like, I, I, feel, I feel really bad for it's, you. It's really I'm... sad that you didn't have that. You know, I mean, what, it would have been cute if it, right. that was the ending. Then it was like you, you met her for real right. and. It, you know, really was her. You know, they stay for the weekend. They're, like, in New York for the weekend. And, like, Neve is walking around the town with them, like, taking pictures. And you're like, Neve, watch it. She's Her name is Amy and she's married. Yeah, I, well, and then in the end, when they take her back to the airport, he gives her a hug and he's like, and you're just as beautiful as I imagined. Aww. She's like, okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. There's, like, a Megan-shaped, uh, Amy-shaped hole in the door. <laughs> you did it, too. I can't help it. And Amy shaped she hole was in like, the door. Peace. It's crazy and you should go and watch it. If you guys have, like, oh, oh, and... I reached out to her. I'm trying to get an interview with her for this podcast. Please tell me you said hi, Amy, and not Megan in the email. I'm going to go double check yeah, that. Got to make sure. And <laughs> you beautiful tropical fish. And you're beautiful and you're organized. Man, you beautiful spinster. I will find you, love. What? Did you say something? Love you. Hi, Julian Pazzavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. How are you, girl? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm fine. I'm kind of pissed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what is happening? Are you mad at casting Jean-Benet? I am mad at casting okay. Jean-Benet. I am. I am mad at casting Jean-Benet. It's, that's what we're talking about this week. Yeah. I hate it. You hate it? I hate it. And I'll tell you, it's not... Like, it's not like I think it's not worth watching. It's not like I think it isn't well made. I just hate that it exists in the world. I hate that there's a need for it. Wow. Yeah. Is it because... It's such a heinous story, or is it? Um, you know, I, I honestly had like a minor crisis of conscience watching it because I was so um, hating it. I was just so. You're on the record. You hated it. <laughs> I was. I just felt so strongly that like these people have no right to talk about this case, and then I realized that that's what we do every week. Well, let me let, <laughs> let me stop you right there. I I hear what you're saying because it was. These are locals talking about this case and they get a little gossipy about it. Yeah. And I think what we're doing is talking about the thing, talking about the documentary, talking about the movie, not speculating, maybe speculating, (laughs) but with with some knowledge behind it, I would think we do our research. And I also think that there is there's such a community of true crime fans which is Uh a weird word to say uh, uh, which i admit it's a weird thing which is why we like started this thing like let's be weirdos together yeah 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 but i think a lot of us share the same kind of anxieties and fears and and hatred that things like this in the world exist and people need and want to talk about it and not feel alone in it so if you manifest your anxiety by trying to run away or those voices just get louder and louder in your head it just it just felt kind of gross like that's how i felt it felt you know 
it's one thing for there to be a documentary about the JonBenet Ramsey case. It's another thing to watch people trying to like get a job playing these people. That felt really gross to me. Yeah. And there was one actor who said that same thing. Yeah. At the end saying, I'm not going to walk around saying, listen to this cool gig yep. I got. There maybe could be something that could come out of this that, that could help. It, it, it's got be, to be better than nothing. So that's how I think I can credibly come at this without this notion of, hey, isn't this a cool acting gig kind of thing. I mean, it seemed like at least he was very aware of everything you just yeah. said. And by them being locals from Boulder, I think it hits very close to home with them. I mean, they knew some of them knew the parents. Some of them knew they were at some of the memorial services. I mean, this is yeah. hitting very close. Like, you can't hit any closer to home for these people. Well, let's do a, a review. Let's yeah. talk. Okay. For, for people who don't know, we're talking today about uh, the, the Netflix documentary Casting JonBenet. Um, I wanted to do like a because I didn't know I forgot or didn't know much about the Jean Benet Ramsey case. It just like <gasps> I wasn't oh. a true crime nerd back then. Oh man! Um, I was a senior in high school and I was really busy parting my hair down the middle and wearing my Tommy the Musical T-shirt. Okay, that's fair. You know what I mean? I to- I get it. Yeah. Um. So okay, I'm gonna read my little script. Okay. Jean Benet Ramsey was the daughter of John and Patsy Ramsey. She was murdered in her home sometime in the late hours of December 25th or early hours of December 26th, 1996. There was a three-page ransom note saying that she'd been kidnapped, um, but the father, John, found her body in the basement of the family home eight hours after she was reported missing. She had sustained a broken skull from a blow to the head. I mean, that just like – I this could whole thing is just, just sob so to death over that. Uh, and had been strangled, and it was the strangulation that killed her. The Boulder police believed at the time that the crime had either been committed by Patsy the mom or Jean Benet's nine-year-old brother, Burke. When the new DA took over a few years later, they went with a non-family intruder theory. In 2006, a 41-year-old elementary school teacher named John Mark Carr falsely confessed, saying he had been with her when she had died, but he was not a DNA match to the you know piece of DNA that they were able to get from her clothing. Um, and to this day, they have not been able to pin the murder on anyone. Do you want to read our little paragraph about what the movie is about? Yeah. Okay. I just have so much to say even about that first paragraph. So here's an overview of casting Jean Benet. It's an assemblage of actors, some professional. Some of them have no acting experience whatsoever, but they are all natives of Boulder, like we were saying earlier, which is where the crime took place. And they're auditioning for roles in a movie about the killing of Jean Benet Ramsey. The film they're auditioning for is probably non-existent and unnamed, which we Googled and can't find yeah, anything like that. There's no that's, real movie. This right, is the movie. This is the movie. And so we come to understand the documentary is meant to get the actors talking about these memories of the crime, their personal experiences with it, and themselves, and why they might relate to the characters they're auditioning for yeah. which is just like a mind f and a half <laughs> so the movie opens with like one of the most disturbing things i've ever seen like you know 13 nine-year-old girls like all dressed up in the jean bonnet like yay america costume younger than nine right how old are they it's like six yeah and they're all just like how clearly have no idea like why they're there what they're doing they're just like in this costume and they're all like running around having fun and then the creepiest thing ever in the history of the world happens this little girl is like looking at the camera and like says who she is and that she's auditioning for the role of Jean Benet and then like looks directly into the camera and says do you know who killed Jean Benet Ramsey let me just say I was so relieved that they didn't focus on the Jean Benet casting correct even though it's called casting jean benet that's true i was so relieved because at first i was like shit i will say though that like oh god of all the little girls like clearly one of them is the star and like it's the girl that you eventually see down the road as jean benet when they get right there. like dancing all over yeah. the place and just 
being totally hard. Like Jean Benet, this like little girl is like just un- unnaturally gorgeous yeah. and spunky. Right. But I was so relieved that we weren't going to like just talk to these little kids. little kids throughout the whole thing and have them ask these really horrifying, heartbreaking questions. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there was a sense of relief once I was like, oh, God, OK. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just a totally different kind of horrifying. But I'm so glad it's not right. these kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the first group of people, this movie is not structured like a regular documentary, right? So, like, we they kind of take us through the meeting of, like, all of the different people or the, the groups of people that they're casting. So the first group of people that they're casting are the moms, the patsies. The patsies. Um, what was your take on that section? Well, it was very – they are all so actory. And also, I don't know how long these people were on the camera, but for, to, for someone to say, I have personal experience with murder – like 10 minutes in is not only heartbreaking, but like these people were very candid. I have personal experience with murder. My brother was murdered in Colorado Springs. So my parents actually met with the Ramses several times. One of them really stood out for you. <laughs> the one who was like, I see you have all these ladies in red. I'm going with the blue. I actually noticed that you had some of the other women who are auditioning for Patsy wearing the red top, but... For me, it's the pearls that make who Patsy was. In every interview she did, she always had the pearls on. So when I was researching her over the past couple of days, I made sure that the pearls were on. That so it was and, all about the pearls. And it was all about the pearls. Like when she was doing her research, she was wearing the pearls. Right. And the earrings. And the e- as close a match as possible. This is very close to what she wore on Larry King. I also, for some reason, loved the blonde woman who was like, I'm normally typecast as the loving mother. And then also as a bitch. <laughs> but like, I think that it's at this point in the movie that we start to understand what this documentary is and how it's different. That like, oh, okay, like it's about the experience of watching these people share their experience of the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Right. And this should not be your first Jean Benet documentary. Right. And it's a tragedy that there's more than one. There are so many. Yeah. Which is why I think they went this route. A different kind of true crime documentary, which you hate. Yeah. Yeah. I just hated it in this instance because inevitably what happens is they start to share their theories and they're not the police. They're not, you know, they've done their casual research on the, their character, but that's all they know about the document. That's all they know about the case. Well, some of them know because some of them were at her memorial. Some of them were alibis for some of the people who yeah. were involved. Uh, the woman I was dating at the time worked directly for John. In fact, she was in line to um, be his successor. And he relied on her heavily. So um, I was with her the night of the murder, and I was effectively her alibi, but they also did hair and samples from her because, um, you know, she had something to gain by John's loss. Uh, so they are, I guess, a little closer than that, but they're they're doing it in a very different way where I think – they think that maybe people are bored with the documentary of sh- like showing the press conferences and showing videos. Did you miss that? Did you miss having those points of reference? Um, I really enjoyed actually the re- like the reenacted sequences that they did film and show because they looked super expensive. They were starring these actual actors who had just said something ridiculously foolish, and then all of a sudden were like starring in this like su- what looked like a super high budget movie. So like sprinkled throughout the documentary, there's like actual scenes from an actual movie that look super expensive. Yeah. So it is kind of funny to see these clowns like. <laughs> 
you know, all of a sudden like acting in a movie. And I, the other thing I wanted to say, especially in the beginning and especially with the women, it felt kind of exploitive of them. You know, I want to say, so I mentioned to you before we started that I noticed a real difference between the way when they were initially showing the Patsies and they were showing the Johns and John being the, the men auditioning for the John role. So do you remember when they were, they actually showed the screen tests of some of the moms? Like when they're, she's on the phone with the ransom note. Oh yes. Crying to the police. Yeah. So you hear, you see them sort of like picking up the phone, like looking around the set, like, and then asking somebody off camera a question. And then you see them do the scene and it's like over the top and there's no music underneath it. And they're just like acting and it looks ridiculous. Sorry. Did you say he was reading with me? Please. 755 15th street. We, We have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. Well, when you meet the dads, and, you know, we'll talk about the dads in just a second. Um, some of them stand out more than others for various reasons. <laughs> they, when they get to the point where they show the dad scene, it is a fully produced, acted moment. Where he's, like, on the floor, Yeah, right? where he, like, the moment where he walks in and finds John, John Bonet's body. <laughs> in general... The thing, the questions that they seem to have been asking the men in the interview portion were much more serious, and the way that they showed the that scene with him, with like the acting as an actual produced moment, as opposed to them like fumbling around and reading through a script, it felt to me like the men were portrayed in a way to as if to be taken more seriously. Right. Like, like we were being told as a viewer, like this is going to be the more serious stuff, and every time we talk to the moms, it's going to be kind of ridiculous, and it kind of is that way. Like throughout the movie, I feel like. Yeah, and you know, having them read part of Patsy's autobiography, right, in the house and. Even the the passage they chose, which was Patsy being very, very narcissistic, obviously yeah. making her this whole pageantry idea with Jean Benet all about her. Jean Benet was looking forward to the day she could wear real evening gowns, just like her mother. Just like her mother. It is so narcissistic. I'm just shocked. I, I didn't. I don't remember that. I read this book and I don't remember it. Then the moms go into like, well, she was too old, right? And she was just jealous. She was no longer doing the beauty queen thing. She'd gotten too old, and so this was her opportunity to live it again through her daughter. Okay, so there's all this hullabaloo being made about how, like, Patsy was turning 40, and that was making her crazy. Oh, the 40 thing. I was like, ladies, calm down about 40. (laughs) Right, and, like, a lot of the women were really buying into that. There was one woman who was a total boss, and I was obsessed with her. And she said, And I'll be 39 next month, and if someone said that my impending 40th birthday caused me so much psychic strain that I would consider killing my child... I don't know what shade of ballistic I would go on them because talk about putting women in a box. This movie totally put women in a box. Absolutely. And it totally played into their cat cattiness, like the perceived cattiness of women, mm-hmm. especially like women talking about another woman. And I feel like, you know, as they're gearing up to try to win this role, they're you can see that they feel like the more shit they say about Patsy, the more they're going to be looked upon favorably for winning the role. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Johns. 
Oh my god, I don't even know where to start with the Johns. Can we start with Dilfy Dilfy Gary Foster? <laughs> Hi, I'm Gary Foster. I'm auditioning for the part of John Ramsey. He's your favorite, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got two 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 favorite Johns. There's Dilfy Gary Foster, and I call him John with the good hair because I don't know if we ever get his name, but he's auditioning for John, and he's the guy that has like the quaff. Which he like says straight into the camera at one point. He's like, if you want to change, like if you wanted to dye my hair or shave my head for a wig, I don't care what you want to do. I would, I don't have a problem with it. They just get so actory. Yes. They they do get so actory. And just going back to Patsy's for one second, this one woman was like, here's my pageant photo. <laughs> okay, so I just brought a couple of my pageant pictures. Um, again, this was two years ago with the Mrs. Uh, Colorado pageant. And the one thing... At um, one point, that woman is wearing her sash. Uh, At like, one point, it cuts back to her and she's fully put her sash on. And I'm like, okay, it was really not that hard for you to get into Patsy's head. <laughs> who's the who's the John who says he gets Jeff Bridges a lot? That's Dilfy Gary Foster. It is, okay. Yeah. I liked him. I get Nick Nolte. I get uh, Jeff Bridges. I get uh, a young, uh, what's his name? Chris Christopherson. Do you know what he was doing in 1996 when the murder took place? What? Actually, I was selling cars in Utah. I mean, I, I hope that doesn't hurt my chances here. But oh. And he wants to be very sure that that's not going to be held against him. Okay, thank you so yeah. much for letting us know. We'll write that down in our notes. <laughs> right. There was also one who was fighting the IRS. Oh my goodness. And was then, what do you say, cooling his heels in prison? While I was cooling my heels at the federal prison camp, I decided that when I got out that I wanted to try my hand at acting. That's the same story that Polly from The Sopranos has. He was in prison and this like acting troupe came in. He was like, I could do that. I could give it a shot. And then he's on The Sopranos for all a zillion seasons. So he has that in common. And there was also one guy who was in a show called My Mother's Lesbian Jewish Wiccan Wedding. Do you get any actory? Come on. Yeah, it's a paid theater. It was with Theater Or. It was called My Mother's Jewish Lesbian Wiccan Wedding. It was the regional premiere. But do you know what else that guy did? When he was like 10, he and his friends got together in the garage and like decided they were going to hang themselves. That is not... He made it seem like... He's like, you know, when kids hang out and they pretend... No one actually got hurt, but you know how kids <laughs> pretend to hang each other. And at one point, me and my friends had read a book about people hanging, you know, and um, so we, we built this little platform thing and hung each other, like on stage kind of thing. It was just fooling around. Nobody was going to get, and we didn't get hurt. We were fine. Nobody really got hung. And I was like, is it because I'm not a parent that I think that that's totally <laughs> no, horrifying? No, I was like, that's, that's not a thing, that's, sir. That's not a thing. I've always been like a weirdo, but I never, my mom never came downstairs to see me and be like, mom, look. <laughs> You just made a new a new a new sign around your neck. Yeah, like what right. is going on? I know. Um, okay, let's you talk know about what? the cops. So these are the guys that are auditioning to be the cops. Breast torture. First of all, there's RJ. RJ, who says, "Good day. My name is RJ Clay, and I'm here auditioning for the part of the police chief. But if I fit any other part perfectly, I would be willing to take that as well." Really. Of course you are. And then um, there's the guy. So this guy, oh my God, the guy, we don't get his name. And I looked him up on IMDb. You cannot find it anywhere. But he, his job, okay, I watched this documentary twice, I told you. Yeah. And I kind of went over my head the first time that his main, his main form of business is that he's a fugitive, re- he has a fugitive recovery business. Well, I'm currently a fugitive recovery agent. Um, I run a small service uh, out of Longmont, Colorado. Um and um, for a night job, I'm, I'm a, a sex educator. 
that's a bounty hunter. This guy's a bounty hunter by day and a sexual educator by night. For me personally, I love uh, breast torture. Um, it's so nipples, rid- tits, it's like such a badass um, thing but at the same time you're just like I'm so uh, confused by you also he gets a call in the middle of his interview and he's gonna take it I gotta take this it's work give me five minutes and he goes I'm sorry it's work so are, are you is it bounty hunter work <laughs> or is it breast torture sex educate <laughs> like and also sex education is different than like bre- I thought sex education was like like, like bio like eight, seventh like eighth grade health class yes yes yeah. yes I didn't know that breast torture came up in like your sex ed class. Well, he seems like he's the kind of, I mean, like he demonstrates for us. Like, oh, he does. His like tools and his. And he's like, oh, no, I, I know all about those ligatures. A yeah. child couldn't do that. Oh. I know all about being tied up. I have a lot of experience with that <laughs> exactly. in my sex education class. It's like, just call it something. Call it like sexual identity or exploration right. or something. Just not like creepy, kind of heavy bald guy who clearly is just a creep. Who's like a bounty hunter by day, breast torturer by night. But then the thing is, like, when they, in one of those moments where they cut to like an actual shot from like what would be the actual movie, it's kind of badass. And like every time they every time they show a scene from like what would be the movie, it, they make it look like these people can act. And listen, I'm not an actor. I have a ton of. I know acting is really hard. I'm not saying like it isn't. But like you put music and like an interesting camera angle and like lighting around these people, and all of a sudden they're like genius actors. Movie magic. The Jean Benet Ramsey case is a case like we have never seen before. A case like I don't think any of you have ever seen before. There have been many stories and much speculation about who killed Jean Benet. Prejudging and media hype have never solved a crime. When the the, they started the showing the cops, they were my favorite actors. I really liked the scene yeah. that they had on the phone. I thought it was subtle, and I thought it, they just except all played for the meat well. market manager who like yeah. kept. He was very distracted. Yeah, I love the other guy too, who was like, "You kids okay? <laughs> How the holidays are going well for you? Great. Sing out, Louise. How's everything else? Wife, kids, good." Good, 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 good. Holidays are going well. But I did love how, and just going back to the case, that there was one guy who was a cop in Boulder, and he's like, oh, we use this case as what not to do. That's the thing that I thought was very interesting, is that how parts of the case did sprinkle in. So for him saying that they use this case as what not to do, how not to handle a murder, that's a big deal. For sure. And that there were things that were coming out. And, like, this is what you get from people that are Boulder natives. Like, that one woman who was saying... I mean, there was evidence that there was some sort of sexual abuse happening on during the autopsy for Jean Benet. That the, she had suffered some sort of sexual abuse as part of the crime that yes, had killed her. Yeah. yeah. And the police were like, that's from riding a bike. Right. Okay, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's just not. Right. And then you get into this, was there this dark web of illicit behavior in Boulder? Did the cops know about it? And granted, this is from a local and herb theory. But then you think about it and you're like, well, maybe. Because yeah. this bike thing is bullshit. It's part, of my, it's part of my problem with this whole thing, which is that like these people with no knowledge of the case are suddenly being asked to give their theories. And it ranges you know, from like the things that we know to like, oh, she was killed on, she was six years old and she was killed on December 6, 1996. That indicates that it's somebody's signature. No. One guy was like, oh, 
it was part of like you know John Ramsey was part of a club where like they were like passing the girls pa- around. I mean, it's, it's so like just to say it out loud is so it's, it's irre- the stuff of nightmares. It is, and it, but it's also just fully irresponsible mm-hmm. because there's no indication that that was the case. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that that draws me to, to true crime is the mystery of it and not the gore and the disgusting details. Like to hear people talk about it in a way that is like they're delighting in having a theory mm-hmm. like that is so perverse to me yeah no i I agree i just got really serious well it's a serious thing yeah we're gonna we're gonna hit on this stuff should we talk about the burks yeah now but this is another serious thing because this it is serious but i do want to start out by saying that the entire burke audition process is an absolute horror movie these children are terrifying these children actors are absolutely terrifying yes and the whispering, there. wait, what's the line that they have to say? Where it's like, it's if you tell someone it's a secret, it's not <laughs> no a secret. No longer a secret. And one of the kids had me like apologize. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't do it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> the one who was like leaning forward yeah. and doing this like weird, yeah. like Feruza Balk looking yes. kind of like bug-eyed. If you tell someone a secret, it's no longer a secret. The one that broke my heart was talking. the one talking about his sister. He just wanted her to be nice. Um, she either calls me a scaredy cat and calls me a bunch of names, and I don't like that. I, I asked her to stop a lot, but she just never does. And But she's not getting nicer. Um, it's happened about two weeks ago. She's beginning, she's beginning to become nicer, which I'm really happy about because um, sometimes I have tears because I just... It kept going, but... What a sweetheart. But, you know, this was just, like, another moment of, like, exploitation because, you know, we know that she was hit in the head with something. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, just even talking about the details of the crime. We know that she was, like, hit in the head with something. And I think one of the one of the theories was that, like, Burke was responsible for the death, that he had hit her in some way. This nine-year-old yeah. kid. And that Patsy or Patsy and John had, like, covered up for it. Right. Um, and then there was... A lot of people who don't think Burke had anything to do with it, the the argument is always, well, a nine-year-old doesn't have that kind of strength. Right. A nine-year-old can't ever do that. That's insane. That's ridiculous. And so what do they do? They bring in a freaking watermelon and give these kids a hammer. And yeah. the minute that happened, I was like, the second one of them smashes that watermelon, it's all over. Yeah. Like, that's... And then guess what? Yeah. Oh, not only does he smash it, but then he like picks up it and eats a piece He's of like, it. He's like, that was easy. There it goes. Can we talk about the Santas? <laughs> oh my God. Yes, please. So the Santas were the standouts for me <laughs> by far because they are one dressed as Santa. We should point out that like one of the original early theories was that the guy who played Santa, I guess they'd had a Christmas party at the Ramsey's house that night. Yeah, it was some big annual Christmas party. They were sending like, um, this wasn't in this documentary, but they would send, because they were rich. They were a big pillar of the community really. And they would send out these video invitations where it's oh. like, come join us for Christmas. It was a real like exterior shots of their house. It was like a scene. Hello, I'm Patsy Ramsey. Daddy's not here, but this is Jean Bonnet. She's four, Burke is seven. And we'd like to welcome you to our home and wish you a very Merry Christmas. Wave Jean Bonnet. Wow. It was a big deal. So of course they had a Santa and whatever. So one of the theories was that it was the Santa, the creepy Santa who like, first of all, how obvious is it? Like you can't sneak upstairs in a Santa costume. Right, like totally. it's crazy. But the thing, first, I love the guy who was like, I hurt my knee. Oh, I started this in uh, 2006 after I uh, I blew my knee out, couldn't work. So 
Um, a lot of people used to say I look like Santa Claus, so I just even without a beard, they said I look like Santa Claus. So I had to do something that allowed me to sit. So I became a Santa. <laughs> he was my favorite. Who was just like eye rolling at every theory. Totally. It was just like Patsy did it. She's a bitch. Whatever. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> what did he call her? Like a Wait, bitch mother. A like bitch a, of a mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I really think it was John. What's with Patsy Ramsey? Um, you know, I think she just threw a fit. I think she was the, uh, um, you know, she probably was the royal bitch of a mother. Um, you know, pushing your kid into something that's not being a kid. So yeah, I, mean, I, I want to mention um, John Mark Carr mostly because of the actor Dixon who plays him. He's my favorite actor in the in the documentary. He is so creepy. And I get that, like, the way that the scene is lit. So John Mark Carr is, as we mentioned in the beginning, like, the one guy who came forward and, like, and, and confessed to the crime but, like, didn't do it, which isn't crazy at all. Right. But it happens. False confessions happen all the time. Well, false confessions, like, coerced confessions happen. I mean, I guess what you're saying is, like, people, like, confess to, like, high-profile crimes just to, like, be associated with it. Yeah, every like, every kind of false confession happens. But the thing that's creepy to me is that he has done this to other people. Like he's, he's a known convicted child molester uh-huh. who's been molesting people all over the world in yeah. different countries. So for him to confess, like it kind of was a false confession, yeah, but kind totally, of not. Right, right. Because what he did, he like he's in prison anyway yeah. for other cases of this. But it was like this actor who like, you know, I looked him up and he's got like, he does have some other credits. Like this guy will always play the child molester. Just I know. Because of his male pattern baldness. Sorry guys, but that's some type casting. He's a good actor. Um, but like his, he was just it, him talking about like getting inside the head of of John Mark Carr was so creepy and disgusting to me mm-hmm. um, that it was like really disturbing. Speaking as John Mark Carr, she was beautiful. I mean, she was just a little doll. If you look at her beauty pageant tapes, like researching the role, I'd I'd watch these getting into my mind. I would watch these um, pageant tapes of her and just taking off her little masks and. And how uh, parading around in her costumes with all her makeup on. And she was a beautiful little girl. And people would say she was cute and this and that. But in his mind, he sees that as like pure beauty. And, uh, and that's why he was attracted to her. And I think it was just a very emotionally manipulative documentary. This yeah. whole thing. Yeah. To have them sitting in the jail cell with this dark lighting in the prison jumpsuit. And then having them say quotes from letters that he wrote or or, uh-huh. or depositions or something. And you're like, wait, is this the actor saying it? Uh-huh. At first, you're not clear right. that he's quoting this guy. And you're kind of like, wait, is this guy a creep? Because you don't know. We heard the term breast torture five minutes into this movie. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know what to expect from any of these yeah, people. It's true. Yeah. And then so like the way the movie ends is kind of a cool idea. It's actually a very cool idea where they build a like a model of the house and they have all of the Patsies and all of the Johns paired up with that little girl as Jean Bonnet. And all at once you see like a musical montage of all of the possibilities. And it's a really long montage. It is. It goes on for like five or six minutes. Yeah. And then you you see the guy, you see Santa at one mm-hmm. point sitting on her bed. And then you see the guy playing John Mark Carr sitting in like smelling her ballet shoes. So creepy. So creepy. Her brother's running around. They're they're just doing sibling things. Sometimes they're fighting. Sometimes but it was a not. very cool cinematic moment of mm-hmm. like you're seeing at the same time all of the possibilities of what the theories are of how she died. I, I mean, they just cast Jean Benet to scream. 
because she screams right. in the montage and then she dances and that was it. But I, there was a part of me where I was like, I, you need to stop having a, a little girl screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah. It was so, I mean, I get it. It's horrifying. Right. Stop manipulating me. What were the other things that stuck out to you? Yeah, there were other things that I loved in the press conference because this is true too. John and Patsy were not very loving in the press conferences. They were very cold and separate with each other. They weren't touching. And when they were like blocking the press conferences, it was these actors wanted to engage because in their head, they're like, oh, it's a press conference after my daughter has been murdered so the their instinct was to you know cheat in or whatever yeah. and they you they had to be told like that never happened and one of the i think it was the pearls she was like the, the guy was like i really want to lean in i think i think i'm gonna lean in and she just goes i don't think i would angle in yeah totally i love to john with the good hair and and his partner who was like the one that's like the mom and the bitch right they're like looking at each other and he goes Although, like, we were friends on Facebook or something, right? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet her for the first time I've never met you. We're friends on Facebook. (laughs) so nice to meet you in person. I wanted to talk. One of the things that stood out to me was, like, the bedwetting. Yeah. That, that was like a major subplot was that one of the ideas is that Patsy killed Jean Benet because she was about to turn 40 and because she was so enraged that Jean Benet wouldn't stop wetting the bed. And I don't know why that just made me. I feel very much like there was there was very little voice of like coming to to Patsy's defense. I'm not saying she did it. I'm not saying she didn't do it. But just the idea that bedwetting would would push a mother, it just felt so wrong. I just I hated the conversation around that. Yeah. The reason I hated that conversation was to me if that was happening with Jean Benet that means that something was not okay with her not saying that in a bad way but she was stressed out or she had pressure because of course she did because she was like the most famous pageant girl in in this town yeah and I will never I don't care who says it or what they say I will never be like oh no they she loved it (laughs) don't tell me that a four-year-old loves it just because she's pageants yeah Yeah. yeah. just because she's good at it doesn't mean That she has to, like, when your mom is saying, don't you love this? And she's like, yeah. Like, what is she going to do? Right, yeah. You have to know better than your child, which is what you said to me earlier. And I think it's so true. Parents need to be the ones in charge. Look, there are plenty of other Jean Benet stuff out there. If you want to know about, like, how crazy it is that there was a three-page ransom note written (laughs) on paper that from their home. Usually ransom notes are like, I want a million dollars. They wanted exactly the bonus that John got. Like, and, and they also like, they found her and then they invited everyone they knew over right, to the house. Totally. Which is if like, you guys have a minute, could you come trudge on a crime scene? Yeah, thanks. Hey, everybody, open door policy. Everyone we know, just come on in. Like, put your hands on everything, Yeah, guys. just fingerprints. Just take yeah. this. Just can you hold this? Thanks. I just want to say that if nothing else comes of this documentary, I want John with the good hair to have an acting career. I think he's really good. He is. Oh my god, we just agreed on the on the on the documentary we're going to do next week. Do you want to tell the people? Kurt and Courtney. Yes! Yes, oh man. yes, yes. Oh man. I, there is a moment in that documentary. I won't tell you what it is. They're literally one of the most bone-chilling, terrifying moments I've ever seen in a documentary. Oh my god. And I've I'm, seen it. Do you know what I'm talking about? There could be like 7. Yeah, I guess it's true. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. If you want to tweet at us, which you should. You guys, follow us on Twitter, please. (laughs) Maybe if you ask in a nicer way. (laughs) 
Or- the, look, the look of like just utter disappointment that you gave me when I said that. The look of just like, oh, no. Oh, boy. We are true crime obsessed. No ED. No ED. Um, you guys, we want you to email us, too, because we want your suggestions, and we want to know, like, if there's any weird true crime stuff happening, like, in your area of the world that might not be famous, tell us about it. Maybe we'll talk about it or write a blog about it. Yeah, definitely. obsessed at gmail.com. Yep, and truecrimeobsessed.com. Yeah, we already have a really cool blog post up. Yes. It's about the vanishing men of Boston. Oh, my God. This yeah. is so horrifying. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Okay, bye. 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 